We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello? This is a Naked Dialogue podcast. Um, welcome, Zeus. Uh, how are you doing? How's it going? I'm doing, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for everything. For having me on, for, you know, just everything. It's fantastic that you're doing this podcast. It's great. Amazing. So you're the founder of Stone Ga- Gamer or Stone Gaming, right? Stone Gamer, yeah. SGL. Yep. I'm the founder of it. So how did that come about? So- yeah. So how did that come about? How did getting stoned and playing games come about? <laughs> well, um, I guess sort of it began in college, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, to be to have a blunt being passed passed you know around and and um, you know playing you know Xbox or PlayStation it's just sort of what like I've been doing for a pretty long time and that's just sort of that's how I lived life and whenever the cannabis scene began to pick up here in LA Los Angeles I saw that there there really wasn't a place for people that you know um elevate and gain uh there was just like a pretty big like hole in this scene so i just um developed it created it in 2015 i built the entire company and i've been here ever since and it's it's been great we've uh we basically hold events um across the entire country where people um they get elevated off of cannabis and they competitively gain whether it's um apex whether it's uh, rocket league PUBG, mk11 uh, there's always a place for people elevating and competing so here we are so gamer that's amazing. Like you're also like the producer for Double Blind and Mary Jane and also this one other thing. And I was wondering how did that happen? And like, I, I, know, times. I know that you, you're like the teacher of mushrooms, like the mushroom guide on Double Blind. So maybe you can also talk about how did that come into existence? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so, I first got into the cannabis space when I wrote an article for High Times Magazine. Have you heard of High Times Magazine before? No, no. Oh, really? It's it's a big one out here in the States. Um, but I began writing for them in 2013. Uh, I wrote about MMA and cannabis. And then I wrote again for them uh, about or about cannabis and video games, gaming. And that was really the precursor of SGL. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Once you begin to put yourself out there in the cannabis space, then opportunities just hit you. They just come to you. Uh, but the thing is, is that you have to put yourself out there. You have to write uh not only blog on you know whatever platform you have but try to blog or write for different 
you know, companies, different um, entities. And then once that happens, your profile expands in the cannabis community and the psychedelic community. So that's really what I did. I, I wrote for High Times Magazine, which was a huge honor. I mean, I've been reading that since I was a kid. Um, and that was a huge, huge honor. Uh, and then I got, and then I was contacted by Snoop's people, um, one of his executive producers. And he was telling me about this property that Snoop's building. And I was interested. And he, we like talked for a bit and we came up with a concept, a super high score uh, video series, Mary Jane. And I was into it. I, 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 it, was, it was basically so the, the, the um, whole series is essentially I, myself, Zeus, um, gets elevated on psychedelics, whether it's LSD or shrooms or an insane amount of edibles. Uh, there's always some aspect of alternate reality to me when I do this show. And yeah, I love that. Once... It's amazing. It's uh, I've watched some episodes, and also like, I think Snoop does like this one-on-one -on -one thing with like ASAP Rocky and like few other people where they just smoke like a lot of weed. It's yeah, it's a really good channel. I love it. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I I um. It's yeah, no, it's fantastic. I'm I'm super honored that they gave me the opportunity to do this show, and yeah, I I get elevated on um, psychedelics and I explore culture, whether it's the you know drag culture, whether it's the tech culture. Um, you know, it's important to explore cultures elevated on psychedelics. Reason being is that you really absorb things that you wouldn't absorb when you're, you aren't elevated on cannabis or on psychedelics. It's almost like psychedelics is a conscious expanding substance. That's actually what they called it back in the day, a conscious expanding substance. And I like to call it that because that really is truly the purpose of psychedelics and the whole show was sort of that premise i would i would ex i would get my consciousness expanded and then i go and i explore different aspects of culture um and we're we're actually uh, working on something too that's coming up pretty soon so uh that's gonna be fun i can't tell you about it but it's gonna be sick when it comes out so then that uh happened and that was that was awesome that was big it, it, it was big it, it, you know if you check online it has like hundreds of thousands of um, hits or um, views per episode it's I'm very very honored that people you know watch that but after that happened I sort of gained a profile a bigger profile and uh, i started to be like I, I i were like i basically i people recognize me when i um, go out 
to sessions, when I went to festivals, people saw me, they wanted to take pictures with me. Um, and that was cool. That's, that's a pretty cool thing. But that led into Double Blind, which I'm very happy about. We produced a, a 10 part video series about psychedelics. Everything you can think about, every, every possible question you could possibly have about ketamine, um, LSD, um, shrooms, DMT, I think yeah, DMT, ayahuasca, uh, and others I'm probably uh, leaving out, MDMA. Uh, and so that series was like awesome. And, and, and I'm super happy that uh, we produced that. And we also have some things that we're, we'll probably be producing relatively soon. Uh, but that video series, and I encourage every person to check that out. You can just search for how to take shrooms or how to trip. And I think I'm the first person that pops up, um, at least at a period of time, though, was it perhaps the SEO change? But um, yeah, Double Blind is great. And it's, uh, it's really operated by two amazing people, um, um, Shelby and Madison. Um, they are psychedelic entrepreneurs, not even entrepreneurs, um, I guess they are, but that isn't really what, you know, comprises of their existence. They're more like explorers and informers, um, objective informers of the psychedelic experience for humanity. So they have a pretty big responsibility, um, and, and I'm very happy and honored to, to be part of their sort of uh, ascension into the psychedelic community. Of course, yeah. uh, I feel like you have a very curious mind like any other psychonaut. So I was wondering like, what kind of psychonaut are you? Like, how would you define your interest in psychedelics and cannabis and, and your venture into the industry in general? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Also, um, there's a, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Let me give me like a second to think about that question, Sanj. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, what, what type of psychonaut am I? I am a psychonaut that is very along the lines of Terrence McKenna. I believe that, you know, no one should like, you know, microdose shrooms or LSD um you know for a bunch of reasons but also the reason of uh, microdosing and shrooms could be cultural appropriation i mean there are um shamans out there indigenous communities that you know they necessarily don't do microdosing they they aren't about microdosing they they don't practice it they see psychedelics as a powerful tool that has to be prepared for. There's a certain uh, ritualistic um, aspect to it that you have to prepare for. You have to do things. You have to sing. You have to do, you know, chants, or, or perhaps you have to just clear your own thoughts. But to to take a bit of shrooms every single day before breakfast or after breakfast, number one, you're disrespecting the uh, substance completely. Number two. Um, you don't have the courage to actually take shrooms or LSD, let's focus on shrooms, shrooms, how it should be done. 
And number three, it's probably cultural appropriation, honestly. Um, and that's something that should be explored deeper. And I'm happy to be that person to uh, look into it. But perhaps we shouldn't be taking microdose. We shouldn't uh, microdose. And, and there's an argument that perhaps we shouldn't even be taking shrooms at all um, in the cultural context of how we're uh, doing it. But as far as microdosing, it's a lack of courage, number one. Um, and it's, it's, it's cultural appropriation because the culture was built around huge doses, shamanic doses, heroic doses. That's how you implement, that's, that's essentially how you implement it into your own life. Um, and I do, I am so against microdosing. I, I cannot even stress to you enough that it's, it's just, it's such a fat, it's, it's such a fad in this whole community. And I hope it doesn't take on because um, you don't get a lot from microdosing. Psych the, the, I think the way that you should take psychedelics, it should be, a, it should be something that you prepare for, number one. Um, and it should be something that you, you should fast for it too. You, I, I think you should fast a few hours before taking it. Uh, don't combine it with alcohol. Um, only use cannabis in the event that you're going towards a bad trip, and we'll get back. We'll get into bad trips uh, a little bit um, later in the podcast. But I, I'm a psychonaut that is 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 a traditionalist in the sense of the culture that it derives from. Uh, we can't forget those indigenous communities that gave us that sacred, um, sort of this uh, sacred substance to, to pass through these different dimensions or pass through these different um, psyches that, that control us uh, and, 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 and break free from, you know, uh, psyche. So yeah, I, I, I like to, so, okay, that's been put out there. Now, how do I dose? Um, let's say I do shrooms, all right? Uh, I like to fast the day before. So I'll, I'll like probably, I'll like, I'll stop eating at 10 p.m. on like a Thursday, okay? And I'll go to sleep, maybe read a book or so, wake up at around, you know, eight, work out, brush my teeth. <laughs> and then I'll take shrooms at around 10 a.m. I'll take about five grams of shrooms. So a bit over an eighth of an ounce, a little bit under a quarter of an ounce. Um, also, one of like the most important things about shrooms is that for some reason, whenever you take shrooms, you start to focus on material objects and you focus on how dirty they are. And there are, there's been times when I've had a trip and on the entire trip, I'm just cleaning. I'm just cleaning my, my kitchen or cleaning my bedroom or cleaning my office. And there's some psycho 
somatic aspects to it. Perhaps you're cleaning your kitchen because in reality, you're cleaning some aspect of yourself that you want to get rid of, or you're trying to cleanse some behavior within you that that is coming to the forefront of with psychedelics. So yeah, there's some psychosomatic uh, qualities to it. But yeah, there's, it's interesting. You, you begin to clean uh, sometimes. So before I take shrooms, I always... Uh, make sure that you know that everything's clean uh, uh, make sure that all kitchens are, are you know all appliances are clean the floor is clean just have a clean slate um, and that's when I do it indoors um, you know doing shrooms outdoors it's very very interesting very fun I think for some reason when you take shrooms outdoors the effects are you get visuals like crazy but it feels like the experience is shortened it isn't that extensive compared to when you do shrooms inside your house um or inside a familiar area you you buzz a bit longer towards the end of it uh so that's with shrooms with lsd um you know i i always compare lsd everyone asks like oh LSD shrooms. What what uh, should I do? What what's this? What's that? So with shrooms, I like to compare shrooms to. So with LSD, all right, LSD is like your ticket to a circus. You you it's a ticket. You go in the gates and you're just having a fun time enjoying the circus, all right? That's LSD. Uh, in comparison, shrooms is like you're hiking to the circus. You're taking an entire voyage to the circus, and 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 you know you're experiencing an entire gamut of emotions, of of untapped abilities while you're going to the circus. So the point of shrooms isn't necessarily going to the circus or it isn't like being at the circus. It's the, it's the trip of going to the circus. And once you get to the circus, you're like, okay, I'm fine. You know, that, that trip that I had before was really the experience that I was um, going for. Whereas LSD, you essentially skip that entire trip of going to the circus and you just arrive at the circus and you have your ticket and you're there and you can experience things and everything's fun and everything's sort of like devious in a way. Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay. And then DMT. Um, wow. Yeah. DMT is the final frontier of all psychedelics. I think. Um, uh, yeah. It's so incredible. It's, it's, it's doing DMT for me was the single most alien experience that I've ever felt in my entire life. Um, if aliens, right? If aliens landed in on my on my front porch today, it would pale in comparison to the alienness that I've experienced in a DMT trip. Um, it's incomparable. It's it's almost incomprehensibly uh um it's it's an incomprehensible experience that uh humans are destined to fail to 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 detail this experience with 
you know, language, since we're just confined to 26 characters in the English language, it, it's really sort of a reduction of, of detailed experiences from the GMT realm. Uh, and it sucks because we are uh, humans and all we can do is explain things <clears throat> with this carefully coded lexicon of characters that we utilize to explain every single aspect of our reality. And of course, with DMT, that just completely falls apart. Um, so yeah, DMT is pretty, pretty insane. Um, not insane in the sense of like a bad connotation, but insane in the sense of an alien connotation. Uh, mescaline is fun. <clears throat> I had San Pedro. Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a psychonaut that has done, like I, I, I try to do everything um, just to say that, to, to, to essentially experience it. But San Pedro, I had uh, mescaline from San Pedro when I was living in Tucson, Arizona. And oh my gosh, Sanj, I haven't had anything that bitter in my entire life. I'm not sure if you've had any cacti like peyote or San Pedro, but it the like bitterness is beyond taste. It's almost like a, like an actual sensation of bitterness. It's almost like a paralyzing of your tongue. That's how bitter it is. Um, so I've had mescaline before. In that trip, <clears throat> I I don't know, like I <clears throat> it's hard to hold on a it's hard to quantify a San Pedro trip or a, a mescaline trip. If your whole reality, it isn't sort of like you're seeing things. You don't get a lot of visuals on mescaline. I don't think so. Uh, whenever I've you know done it, I don't get visuals. But what I did get is the sudden realization of how math controls, not even controls, but our entire existence our entire reality is controlled with math everything is math everything is math um everything is a calculation and with san pedro i experienced that and, and it's somewhat it's like overwhelming you know because your brain keeps on doing these equations and of course you know looking back at it like these equations are based on loose uh, very uh, loose understanding of um mathematics that I had at the time. Uh, I'm sure if I did it, if I uh, do it again, uh, it'll be improved. But what I experienced was a sort of over, it was a overwhelming understanding of math across all aspects of, you know, humans, nature, um, subatomic particles, electromagnetism, it was overwhelming and, and it, it felt like my brain took an entire BA course in astrophysics and um, math over the course of like, you know, four hours, five hours. Um, so when I had that experience, it was way, it was way too much. And it wasn't too much in the sense that like I tripped too hard. It was just too much in the sense that it was too taxing on my, my, facilities my uh cognitive facilities um but you know you have to explore these uh, dimensions in order to discern what these dimensions consist of um so with something like mdma um which is a it's a highly 
undervalued psychedelic. Some people don't even consider it as a psychedelic. Uh, unfortunately, they consider it as a you know party substance because it's you know fun to to trip on MDMA while you're out partying. But if you take MDMA in the classical sense of okay, you prepare for it, you sit down, you relax, you only have MDMA, it can get pretty trippy. I mean, trippy in the sense that it could feel almost like the sort of underbellies of an LSD trip, meaning that uh, visuals can come and visuals will come. The colors will 100% be enhanced in an MDMA trip, guaranteed, if you, know, you do it properly. Um, the thing about MDMA that I, I tell people to sort of like pay attention to is when someone does MDMA, it most of the time it's combined with different substances, whether it's like, you know, alcohol, MDMA, you're at a club and you're partying and you're dancing or you're smoking weed and you're doing MDMA. That's fine, but you're having a combination of two different substances. I always like to take a single substance by itself and just experience that substance. Um, but in the context of MDMA, of MDMA, it's 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 like so combined that people don't really have an understanding of what MDMA truly is by itself. So if someone out there wants to take MDMA, I encourage you to take it by itself. Don't don't add it. Don't don't candy flip, which is you add uh, MDMA and uh, LSD, or, or don't hippie flip, which is uh, you combine MDMA and shrooms, uh, both of which I've done, and they're fantastic. It's a fantastic time. It's a fantastic time. But if you're trying to understand the MDMA trip, the MDMA experience, just take it by itself. Um, let's see, what else? Um, let's talk about ketamine too, uh, as well. Uh, while we're at it, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my ketamine experience and what people should sort of, you know, anticipate. So ketamine in America, it's actually legal in the sense that if you have the permit, the, I guess, permit to have a clinical physician or, a, you know, any, any clinical scientist, you can get ketamine and you can get ketamine therapy via this company called Spravada, which is a FDA, FDA approved company that gives out ketamine uh, to people. <laughs> it's pretty insane. Um, but ketamine, it's like, it's only interesting if you can get in the K-hole. Uh, and the K-hole is when you take around 100 mg of ketamine. Of course, you don't, you don't put it in a pipe and smoke it. You have to you have to inhale it, huff it, snort it at least, um, and then you'll get that experience. Uh, ketamine, look, I've done a lot of psychedelics. The only time in which, there, there, actually there's two times in, in, in which I've felt like I've actually traveled through time. Uh, it was through, one of them was through ketamine. And ketamine is really a disassociative thing. Like it, it feels like your body is further ahead in time than your actual like brain, if that makes any sense. Um, 
meaning that you'll like reach to grab for something before you can even understand why you're grabbing it. Let's say you're thirsty and you will like reach to grab a cup before your brain even understands that you're thirsty. At least that's like how it feels when you're in the K-hole. But when you're deep in the K-hole and when you try to do things like walk, I mean, I've never seen people look like, you like look so bizarre when you like walk in, in the K-hole. It feels like your leg is extending like, like kilometers up in um, front of your body with each step. Uh, it's really, really weird. It's almost like your brain is is in one of those like sort of like uh, funny houses where like all the like you know mirrors are bendy and everything. That's 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 how you like perceive reality when you're in a K hole with ketamine. Uh, but I also want to touch on one thing uh, Sanj and I want to talk about the cycle the psychoactive effects of eating cannabis edibles um, something that isn't really talked about at all so for super high score I actually um, did a challenge where um, my friend Carmen and I, I got a shout, shout out to Carmen Manatsai she's an artist in uh, Hollywood but we did a challenge where we were going to eat a combined 10,000 mg of THC, uh, an insane amount. Uh, so that's, that was 5,000 each, which is an insane amount. It's actually 500 times the recommended dosage of an edible, just insane amount. So. I did, and you can actually search online, you can see this, but I, I did it. I, and each, it was a five course um, sort of event. Each course had a thousand mg of THC inside of the food. And look, Sanj, the highest I've ever been was after that episode. When, when we finished shooting and Wrapping up, I ended up eating about 3,500 mg of THC. I couldn't finish the, or no, about 4,000 mg of THC. I couldn't finish the fifth course only for the simple fact that I was so full. I was so full. The food was so good. It was like curry and then couscous salad, Israeli couscous salad. And then we, there, was like a, there was like a beautiful soup, ice cream. It was so good, I just couldn't finish it all. And I, and I thought that if I would have uh, consumed the fifth plate of the fifth uh, course, I probably would have puked. And then of course that would have been bad because then all the effects would have left me, at least a lot of them would. So I, I wanted to keep all the food in. So I, I stopped at about 4,000 mg. But yo, the highest I've ever been was directly after that. And yo, the uh, second highest I've ever been in my entire life, was when I woke up 14 hours after that. I was the second highest I've ever been was when I got up from bed. I, have, I don't even know how I got to bed. Uh, I was so high, the uh, next day I was so high. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is 
some of the craziest psychedelic experiences I've had have been consuming huge quantities of edibles. And, and I don't know why this is, but the propensity to have a bad trip seems to be increased on edibles. Like, we've all had bad trips. Um, if you're uh, watching this or listening to this, we, we've all sort of been to the dark um, denizen of our own psyche and, and come forth a, a better person. But some of the worst trips that I've ever had have been with huge quantities of edibles. And, and it's something that really isn't talked about because you consider the fact that, oh, it's just cannabis. It's just, you're just getting stoned, <clears throat> just getting stoned. No, 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 no. The cannabis metabolizes differently when you eat it and you feel the effects of cannabis when you do edibles. Um, and, and it feels very psychedelic because it is a psychedelic. It, it metabolizes like it's LSD. Uh, so for everyone out there that has, they're thinking about getting into cannabis, uh, I suggest that you don't, your entry point into cannabis, it shouldn't be inedible. Because if your entry point into cannabis is inedible, you are, you probably believe that cannabis is a very psychedelic, you know, tool, which it is. But if you, if you inhale it, um, it's, it's just easier to comprehend um, and it's easier to, to accept into your own life. Um, so heads up to everybody out there thinking about getting into uh, cannabis. Yeah, even I'm like very skeptical about the whole microdosing thing because I feel like, you know, in long term, it definitely causes some sort of neuroplasticity and like, um, like I, I feel like sp specifically because you know research has often shown that psychedelic substances uh, like LSD, psilocybin, DMT, you know also alkaloids uh, that are present in ayahuasca like harmine, uh, yeah. harmine tetrahydrohormine and like all these Absolutely. they always cause neuroplasticity and you know because you're using it quite often in this acute and chronic you know, way of administration often can cause brain damage. And, and that's why I'm highly, highly, you know, skeptical about the whole um, microdosing thing in general. And also just like talking about being a psychonaut, like <clears throat> I was wondering, like, what do you think about phenethylamines and just like 2C compounds in general? Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to um, Shulgin, Alexander Shulgin, one of my heroes, um, the whole Shulgin family. Yeah. Um, so I actually did 2CB uh, last week. Um, and I, I love it. I love 2CB. I, I, I really, man, just, just, just imagine, Sanj, like I, and some, sometimes I, I get stoned and think about Alexander Shulgin, Sasha Shulgin, and, and how this dude, just synthesized all these different um, substances and just took them and experienced them and documented them. I mean, like, there's a lot of courageous people on this planet, but to, to have the courage and the 
time and the experience and, and the sort of intelligence to synthesize all of these substances and then to take them, to categorize them, and to, to, to have to build an entire guide for, for people to, to take them is, is very, very uh, honorable. So uh, props to him. But as far as 2CB, I've had 2CB. And yeah, it's, it feels like a little bit like MDMA. I think MDMA perhaps hits a bit harder um, on your body, which could be a bad thing, you know? 2CB, I found that with MDMA, you have this sort of like hard come up, like to, to the um, come up of MDMA could be really, really harsh. It could be really, really uh, brutal. It almost feels like you're uh, holding on to your table or your uh, chair and there's a huge like typhoon coming and you're like bracing yourself for it, like Aah! and then you you know come up and you're like whoa i'm here but with 2cb i didn't really have that experience before um probably because it doesn't affect serotonin like mdma does um and also the come down from mdma uh, uh the, the come down's bad but what is really bad is this lingering effect on your body the very uh, next day when you do mdma you feel like you, you just can't think you can't put together sentences it feels like but with 2cb that effect it, it, it like isn't there so it's cleaner than mdma it has a similar approach to it to your you know to the experience the psychedelic experience but I mean, if only we lived in a culture where 2CB and all the CBs, if they took off instead of MDMA, I think we would have a, we, we would progress further in our research of psychedelics. But unfortunately, MDMA took off. One, one of the reasons why MDMA took off compared to 2CB is because MDMA was actually sold over the counter in America in places like like um like hot topic Spencer's uh it was just a sort of nutritional substance that was sold I mean this is before we understood anything about MDMA and that <clears throat> and that like made it pretty uh, popular but you're asking me what you know, what's my experience and what I, I prefer to CB over MDMA. And I only wish that we lived in a culture that embraced 2CB and all the other uh, compounds that um, Shulgin synthesized as opposed to MDMA, which he also synthesized, but he reintroduced it actually to, to the culture. True, like I often think these days that maybe I prefer 2CB over both LSD and MDMA, just because of mm -hmm. the duration and like the way the whole trip just ascends and just finishes off. Like I remember being on this two CB trip probably like a month ago now, maybe. Mm. It was it was really good. Like I remember having this anxiety though at, at first, but I was able to tackle it with music. So I gave mm -hmm. it music and through that like I didn't have any sort of anxious reaction as such. And I was able to get into the trip. And then at one point, I also remember having a total ego loss. And I remember like encountering this ego loss thing, like one trip before that I did like with LSD, I did a high, there was LSD trip with like 500 micrograms. 
Mm. Like a three okay. full-blown open eye visual, closed eye visual hallucinations. And so the same happened with this two seed trip. And, mm. and I was able to analyze it later that basically what was happening was that even though I was existing within this reality, like my perception that the closed hallucinations that I was having, like this closed eye hallucinations, just because I was able to replicate it when I was able to open my eyes. So it was giving me a mm. existing within this alternate visual dimension. And so maybe that's why people think that, you know, often in these high dose uh, classical psychedelic trips, they get into these high, higher states or the state of white light or the bardo light. And I feel like I encountered that on, you know, t 2CV and once on LSD. But the thing I like about 2CV is that it also does not have any come down. And so I remember mm. absolutely no come down the next day. Like I had a good psychedelic glow, absolutely no trace of any sort of, you know, chemical uh, reaction or side effect, like nothing. It was just pleasant. So I totally enjoyed like the 2CB trip. I was wondering like if you've done DMT, exactly what it feels like to have that kind of like an out of body experience. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I, yeah. So, you know what? I, there's, there's two times in which I felt uh, a complete out of body experience, uh, a complete out of body experience. First, the first time was with DMT, 100%. DMT, it gives you the experience, but also a super slept on psychedelic that has every single glimmer of DMT is something called Salvia Divinor. Have you heard of, you've heard of Salvia Divinor? Um, yeah, Salvia Divinor. I mean, DMT, yeah. So, you know, I'll talk about my DMT experience. I'll talk about talk about the Soviet experience, but yeah, DMT is is something that you take it and and so I the way that I do it is through a dab rig. You, you have to dab uh, DMT. It has to be at a pretty high temperature. Five hundred Fahrenheit is a good you know sort of temperature to aspire to dab. Um, and you have to you you traditionally you 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 have to do three hits. Um, three big hits, three giant hits. Uh, so hold it and then, and then as you're taking the third one, like everything's just bouncing off, like walls are just like doing this. So you have to take that third hit because the third hit is the hit that's gonna keep you in this realm uh, for a pretty long time. And yeah, uh, so DMT is, is like, you know, you can't compare it to any other substance. Because um, let's say, for example, LSD, shrooms, you know, all the other ones. Yeah, you feel reality bending. You see reality bending. You, you perhaps even get visuals of different things that don't exist in reality. Um, the colors are enhanced. Your thoughts are, are different. But with DMT, and so all of those experience, all of those aspects still relatively play by the rules of reality. You have, you know, um, you know, there's the geometry is Euclidean, you know, you understand shapes, you understand circles and triangles and squares and all that stuff, even 
though what's inside of these you know circles and shapes and squares uh could could be bizarre and, and sort of alien but the trip still plays by the rules of reality there are rules of physics there's an up there's a down there's a left there's a right there's 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 tactile tape you know, there, there's tactileness there's you know you're breathing you're you you hear things so stuff like that audio you hear things that's you're still playing by the rules of reality but with dmt all of that just comes crashing down the every everything you thought to be sacred with existence just collapse and shatters and it is re it isn't even redefined it's just it, it just collapsed and i always see this whenever i give people dmt i can almost pinpoint Sanj. i can pinpoint the exact time in which this process happens and you know which all of these just everything just collapsed colors collapse the idea of colors collapse the idea of shapes collapse all of that just goes away and the first thing the first thing anyone does and I, I don't care if you give this to any person any person the first things i always say lay down or sit sit down lay down generally so the, so when this happens the first thing they do they get up and they stand up and i think the reason why you do that is because you're just trying to make sense of something you're trying to have some type of anchor in our physical reality so the process of getting up standing up is sort of you know you're instructing your body to do something so just by that is an anchor in reality but of course that goes away eventually whenever you sort of go back down but yeah it's it's um like I said, it's really difficult to explain a DMT trip in the, you know, the, the, the combination of 26 characters that we have confined ourselves to in the English language. However, I can say that there, there's a definite, there's something familiar with DMT. You know, it, there's something familiar with it. It isn't alien. I mean, yeah, it's alien in the sense that everything is redefined and, and just collapses. But in this completely alien point in your existence, where everything doesn't make any sense, there's something familiar. Almost like how when you go into a room, how let's let's say for example you you go back to your parents house and you go to your old room and and yeah it's changed you know your parents you know put this up or painted this or did this but there's something familiar with it you know there you you like remember things and that's the thing you begin to remember things when you're in when 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 you're truly in a DMT trip, you begin to almost remember, but it's, I, you can't, I can't even say remember. 
because that's not what it is. It's you, you're, you're conscious of something very familiar to you. Um, and also, as everything is falling down, as the entire, your, your perspective has been replaced with this like blanket of like white void, um, you, you feel that in this void or in this space, some people say that it's like a cave or it's just like a void or a white space. Some people compare it to you're in the middle of the uh, universe or the uh, universe or you're floating in space. Um, but that's just uh, humans trying to find something to explain what this is. We don't have a, 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 a um, definitive explanation of what this is. It, and that's the reason why I'm so fascinated with psychedelics. Um, but with DMT, it's, it's like, it's easy to, and Terrence McKinney used to say this all the time, it's easy to give into awe. You know, it's easy to, to just be completely perplexed by this, that you're just like, what is going on, you know? But with any explorer, you have to get, you know, wash all, just get all of this excitement and, 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 complete all just push it aside and really look at this from a very scientific discourse to, to understand where you are who you are which is at this point you don't know who you are you don't even you know you, you asking who you are is the like least important thing in all of this that's how alien this place is the the fact of like your ego to, to even ask who you are is something that's of complete like unimportance. Like you just don't care. You're just trying to experience and you're trying to put together what is happening. And from that's, that's really, every time I go into the DMT space, I try to, to, I, I try to explore it like an astrophysicist explores shifts of light that denote the beginning of the universe like you have to really pay attention to every single thing that's happening in order to discern something grander from it and it it's going to take a lot of tripping Sanj and it's going to take a lot of people doing trips but I think with DMT, we should explore this space like an astrophysicist explores space and explores galaxies and the universe. It's gonna take a lot of people <laughs> tripping on DMT and a lot of people approaching it in a very scientific sense in order for us to discern what is happening with DMT. And just going on this science, I'm I'm a pretty like I I'm a pretty skeptical person, you know. I I read Carl Sagan Baloney Detection Kit. I'm all into that Demon Hunts of the World. I love that book. So when it comes to associating psychedelics with this with this sort of like new ageness, I I'm not about that. I'm not about saying that you know 
it's a key to my soul to you know travel through different dimensions like like i don't know about all of this i don't i don't i can't subscribe to this new age crystal sage aspect to psychedelics but the reason why because because and because I'm, I'm i'm so scientific when it comes to just analyzing things what's true what isn't objective truth um subjective truth which is you know whatever or objective truth is, which is subjective truth which is whatever but objective truth is what i'm really about but i i think that like or i i think that like we should take away this aspect of new ageness from psychedelics and we should explore it like it's an actual science and the reason why i'm interested in in psychedelics and dmt especially is because this substance which by all you know comprehensions or by all comprehension of the human psyche it's a it's tiny it's a it's a tiny tiny bit a small substance just imagine right you take a drop of beer a drop of beer and you put it on your tongue and then within an hour your entire reality is redefined things are things are shifting in shape and and, and, and changing shape it's the single most potent thing to affect the single most complex thing in our entire universe, our brain. Our brain is the single organ in which every other theory was developed with. You know, our brain is the single thing in which every single thing you see, this phone, electromagnetism, internet, uh, the, the your chair, the table, you know, every single thing was built with the brain and this thing, this this tiny substance, whether it's DMT or LSD, it has the potential to completely redefine and shape the single tool in which every single thing on the planet was built with. That is the reason why I'm completely intrigued with psychedelics and it has to be, um, approach at in a very scientific aspect not in a uh sort of hippie new age aspect this whole thing about being like being in close proximity with the memory phenomena i feel like i've encountered that on 2cb and also like on mm. my lsd trip because i remember having this whole ego loss thing and me going back to all these memories that i was subconscious about but also consciously living through it uh, but at, at the same time having no conception about my own identity and so that was the kind of phenomenon i had like on 2cb and also on the lsd trip um and like i was wondering about just like dmt and and how you know there's changa there's uh, ayahuasca there's also two different kinds of plant extractions from mimosa or acacia and then there's 5-MeO DMT. So yes. what do you think about like 
what which which one is the most potent because some people would say you know that salvia should be the most potent just because how much active it is at lesser doses but i feel like any good 5-meo dmt should be more potent than any other psychoactive trips in general yeah so that's a great question um I would say that salvia, while it is super psychedelic, you only get that whenever you condense it to like 3,000 times or 300 times or whatever, you know? You can't have a leaf of salvia and then take it and then have this experience that you can have with. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. With salvia, while it is a, a super intense psychedelic, um, it only becomes that whenever you condense it down to like, 500 times uh, or 300 times, uh, you can't have like a little leaf of salvia and then have the same trip that you can have with LSD. And of course, you know, comparably, yeah, LSD, you know, it's synthesized salvia, it's condensed. Um, but what I've experienced is like, like salvia seems to be something that really like I would love to because the thing about salvia is that there isn't necessarily a cultural uh, history of taking salvia, although this plant's been around for a pretty long time. It, there's no cultural, uh, historical um, like sort of evidence of people taking this substance. Uh, perhaps the reason why is because you have to do it in huge doses. Now with five meo DMT. Uh, which is like, I mean, to see a person take five MEO DMT, which is derived from a toad, uh, you can get these toads in uh, Mexico, which is about, you know, a few hours down south from me. Um, and then, of course, you, you can uh, take the substance that's on their skin and make it into a powder. But with five MEO DMT, like to see a person do that, it's pretty frightening. It's frightening. Uh, it, it, by all, like, if you were to tell me, like, it, like, looks like a person's dying. It looks like a person is dead. Like, they have died. They're, they're, like, uh, stiff. Their, their bodies are just, you know, completely stiff. Their arms are stiff. Their eyes are open. Um, and they're unresponsive. And this happens, this, this is like for like a bit. And then all of a sudden they, they pop up and they scream or, or they like yell or, you know, some people do that. Not everyone does, but you scream or you yell or you run in fear. Um, and it's something that I've actually seen with Salvia. Um, one of the, the absolute worst trip that I've ever seen in my entire life, Sarge, my entire life, the worst trip, the single worst trip that I've ever seen was when a person, uh, one of my friends, um, he took salvia divinorum. And it's like, it just goes to show you that you have to respect every single substance you take. You cannot take any substance, any psychedelic in jest. You can't be like, oh, I'm at a party. I'm gonna drop a little bit of LSD. I'm gonna take a little bit of shrooms. I'm gonna have this eighth of shrooms. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So what happened is that we, I had a bit of, 
uh, I had a bag of uh, salvia and he came over. My other friend was with me. And we've all, we've both done salvia before. We've experienced that alien, you know, that, that alienness that happens and it happens quickly. The onset of salvia is seconds. You hit salvia and then within seconds, you are transported to, you know, wherever you're transported to. But we packed a bowl for him. He wanted to try it out because he was one of these guys that, you know, he used to brag about taking huge bong hits and huge, yeah, man, I take bong hits. I've been taking bong hits since I was in college. And so we were like, okay, you know what? Listen, this is salvia. It's different. It looks like cannabis. Yeah, it's green. It's uh, leafy. It looks like cannabis, but you have to, it's different. And this guy just didn't care. He did not care. So he was like, man, just give me this, dude. Let me get it. Let me give me this thing. So I pack it in a bong and I tell him, just hit a corner of it. Just hit a bit of it. Don't hit the entire thing. Hit a corner of it. And he's like, man, I got this. Gets, gets the ladder, gets, gets the bong. She's like, man, come on. Hits it. Hits it. And then he puts the bong down. And then before he can even exhale, he's like, look, I'm going to hit this again. And he hits the bong again. Clears the whole bowl, Sanj clears the whole bowl that bowl was for all of us he cleared the entire bowl and my friend and i who you know we're sort of like looking at each other while this guy has took an entire bong hit of salvia that was sprinkled over just a bit of cannabis so we're sitting there looking at each other just waiting for this tide to hit waiting for this tide to hit and my my friend that took the bong hit Let's just call him a T. Uh, T puts the bong down. And my friend and I were just looking at each other like, oh, gosh, here, here we go. Here we go. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, T starts to, like, look around. Just look around the room. You could tell that whatever he was seeing wasn't in the room. He was looking, looking around in the room. And then he starts to get, slowly make his way to the floor. And he contorts his body like a, some type of like, like a, like a, like a zoo animal. And he, his hands become his feet and his uh, feet are his feet too. So he's like walking on four legs essentially, but close to the floor, almost like, a zombie on four legs just walking around but his but how he's contorting his body it's like an animal almost like a leopard mixed with a hyena mixed with a gazelle that just learned how to walk and he's 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 like sort of crawling and walking around my living room floor and i see this the first thing i do is i take my coffee table and I push it aside because my bong was on my coffee table. I push, I push the whole bong aside, the whole uh, coffee table aside. Cause I'm, I'm like, I don't know what this dude's about to do. He's about to do something crazy. And he's just like crawling around, crawling around, looking around. Like it was so weird, Saj. It was like, he was like a zombie, like, like a crazy zombie walking around on all fours. Like, contorting his body and I'm like whoa what's going on 
And he does this for like maybe like 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden he gets up, pops up. He pops up. And he's his arms are extended like an actual zombie. And he and he's just taking his arms and just just do just do doing this, just doing this. I'm not sure if you see me, but he's just like moving his arms around like this, moving his arms around like a zombie, extended, walking around, just completely aimless, completely aimless. And then he like bumps into my coffee table, coffee table breaks, a bong falls down on the on the um, floor, bong breaks, my whole living room smells like bog water now whatever I, I just i i i push aside the um glass i cover up the glass with like a little bowl so that he won't you know fall into it or whatever i didn't care about the bug didn't care about anything I, i'm just i'm just focused on on him when he's walking around and then he gets he gets close to my tv he gets close to my tv and i'm thinking to myself bro do not destroy my tv i need to keep my tv so i get i get in between him and my TV, just like a bodyguard to my TV. And fortunately, he like, doesn't get towards my TV, but he, he was approaching it, he was approaching it. And then he starts to like say something, this like, he, he starts to like say something like, Ugh. like it was a weird zombie thing. Like, <laughs> it sounds weird, but he was like, <sighs> and then, and then, he just something happened you could tell something in this trip happened and he flipped out he just started screaming help me help me help me and he's flailing around his arms are flailing around and he's just like just like like as if somebody was like trying to restrain him. He's flailing around like, ah! And then he, he like collapses, runs and completely collapses in a corner in my hallway. And he's in a fetal position, just bawling his eyes outside, just crying, like just, just screaming, help me, help me, help me. Just, just at the top of his lungs, like you would have thought someone was in my apartment killing this guy with like a blade. It was that loud, curdling scream, just loud. Help me, help me. So, what do you do in this scenario? Um, you can't say chill out. Like, what's that going to do? You know, he's not even in this reality anymore. He's he's completely removed. So what I did is as he was on the floor in an infantile position, crying, I just calmly put my arm out to him. Just my entire arm. Not, I didn't put it on him, but I put it like around him so that if he does flail, he'll get my arm and then he'll realize that there's a person here with him. So I did that. And lo and behold, he like grabbed you know my arm and he like held it and then he said help me Zeus help me help me help me I just I'm just the streams just I cannot even I cannot even replicate it it was it was it was insane so 
Then after this, there was a different uh, perception change. Boom. And then he just said, I have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. He was so determined. He wasn't screaming. He was just, a, it was a very definite, I have to get out of here. And of course, he's thinking the trip. I have to get out of here. But physically, he's trying to open the door. He's trying to open the door. He's, he's trying to open the door. The door was locked, but he's trying to open the door. And so I sat back with my friend, Jonathan. Uh, I shouldn't have, well, whatever, that's his name. Uh, he's fine with it. But I sat back with, you know, my friend and I was like, I like look at him and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, all right, he's trying to open the door right now. Generally, a person can open a door relatively easy, right? But I thought to myself, I'm going to let him try to open that door in the hopes that cognitively, when he's back, if he like if he's back, he'll be able to fully understand how to open the door, unlock, twist, and pull. That's a very difficult action when you're completely tripping on a psychedelic. So I sat there and I just was like waiting for him to open the door. Of course, I like looked around in my apartment. My apartment was just trash, broken bong on the floor, my coffee table, my my sofa. He broke my sofa because he like he like fell down on my sofa. Just everything, just the whole the whole apartment was like somebody robbed like my apartment. It was insane. But eventually, he opens the door, and I'm thinking to myself, "All right, cool, good. He's coming back. He's he understands how to open a door now. Okay, great. He goes outside. It was like it was so cold. It was like ice outside. It was like it was. Um, I was living in the East Coast at the time. Snow, and, and I was like, "All right, well, you know what? He'll get some fresh air." he'll he'll understand he'll get back and he and of course he goes outside for a bit a couple minutes a few minutes comes back inside tears down his face still still crying tears all down his face it's just his shirt right here it's just covered it's soaked in tears sometimes. just covered in tears and and, and but but i can tell he's, he's back he's 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 uh, effectively back into this reality, still crying, still feeling the effects of this potent trip. And I sit him down. I get him something to drink, water. I'm like, just sit sit down, just relax. And I put him on my other sofa, not the one that he broke, my other sofa. He looks around and he's like, did I do all this? And I'm like, yeah, he did it, but it's fine. Get him some water. I sort of like give him a little like pat on the back. You know, we're, we're just sort of like making sure he's okay. Give him some tissues to wipe his face and everything. And I'm like, so what did you see? What did you see? As he's crying, he tells me. And he said, well, I was here in this apartment. I took the bug hit and I was feeling okay. And all of a sudden, I found myself in this huge field of grass, a huge field of grass. And the air was blue, or, or the um, sky was blue. It was, it was a beautiful 
sky with some clouds in the sky, but the, it was a huge field. And I was walking around this field, touching the plants, touching the grass, touching the blades of grass, breathing in the air, touching all the grass, feeling everything, just enjoying myself, very calm, very relaxed. And then I heard a huge, loud trumpet, like, and I looked up in the sky and I saw God open the sky. He opened the sky and I felt, of course, I'm talking about him. I felt, not even I felt, I was ready. I wasn't even ready, but I saw that when God opened the sky, it was the end of the world. It was the end of everything. Rapture, as you would call it in Christian context. That was the end, the end of the world. And I wasn't ready for it. So I panicked. I panicked because I was going to be removed from this planet and I was not ready to die. That's what he said. So he panicked and he flipped out. And he was saying, help me, help me, help me, help me. Because he was not ready to be taken by God. That's what he told me. And I was like, just sitting there like, whoa. Very next day, this dude gives up alcohol, gives up cannabis, um, becomes really, really religious, very, very uh, Christian sort of Bible thumper, huge Bible guy. He became really religious, gave up every single substance, and he resides. Now he has two kids. And he's like your typical straight edge family guy that is Christian in the deep south. All from a single trip. The worst trip I've ever seen in my entire life. That's crazy, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> like, in Jungian psychology, we have this thing about archetypes, which are like these universal patterns. So you know how the figure of a mother in Christianity could be Mary, in Hinduism could be Kali, or just like any kind yes. of figure throughout all different cultures. And oftentimes what happens in like these subjective DMT records, uh, they often record you know, seeing these different sort of cultural entities. Some people see pharaohs, some people see hieroglyphic, uh, just writing and, and style. And so I was wondering, you know, what kind of entities, if you have encountered any uh, DMT entities, have you seen and, and what your experiences have been with just the whole of the DMT experience from the start till the end? And, and what lessons you have, you know, just gotten from DMT uh, in general? Yeah, so that's a great question. And yeah, the archetypes definitely exist. Um, the archetype that I, I see come up is, you know, Terrence McKenna calls it a self-transforming machine elf. 
And I wouldn't call it a machine elf because that sounds really bizarre and, and I'm not even sure what that even means. But what I would say is that, yeah, you do encounter entities. And, and yeah, and the thing is, is when you encounter these entities, it's, it's not like out of fear. It isn't like you're in a horror film and there's some like giant beast that's approaching you. It's not, there's, there, your heart doesn't race. Uh, there is, there, the, you don't have a sense of anxiety when you see these, these entities. But uh, one particular entity that I've experienced, and I'll tell you exactly, I'll, I'll try to describe exactly what it looked like. Um, gosh, this is gonna be so hard. Um, so yeah, and, and I've encountered this entity before multiple times on different substances, which is interesting. Um, but that's a different story. But on DMT, it looks like a very elongated figure. Um, just a, a humanoid figure. Um, I, I think it's a humanoid figure. I, I think so. I, perhaps it's a humanoid because I'm so used to interacting with humans every single day. But beyond its actual shape, what it looks like is a imagine you have all right uh, imagine you, you have disc uh that are magnetized so you have these these like sort of like itch thick disc magnetized and then you place a disc on top of a the other disc and of course it's going to float just a bit because of the electromagnetism it's going to float and you're not going to have these, this touch, this touch, this is going to be floating. Now, imagine you have disc, but you have these discs, but then it's just stacked upon, stacked upon, stacked, and then it forms a shape, right? But each disc isn't touching. However, they're arranged in a way to be perceived as a human figure. And these discs, aren't necessarily they're they're completely sort of like ebbing and flowing left and right so this figure that you thought was a human perhaps it like ebbs and flows to maybe like you know sort of like um uh uh um, krishna sort of like look where there's like you know the colors change and 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 then it may ebb and flow to a to a um sort of a um you know Afrit, uh, which is a um, sort of a entity in in, um, in Arabic cultures, or it could you know ebb and flow to um, you know God or, or an animal or, or a coyote, but it's it's like disc floating, like but there's there's tons there, there's maybe like you know if I if maybe like a hundred discs and probably like more than that but a hundred discs always sort of like shifting and changing. So yeah, self-transforming machine elves. Yeah, definitely self-transforming, definitely machine in the sense that there's something mechanical with their shape-shifting or it's shape-shifting. Um, uh, elf, I'm not sure what the elf connotation is to it, but 
it, 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 and it's big. It isn't small. It's big. It's giant. It's it's. I mean, of of course, you know, the, your perception of space is completely distorted, but it it there it feels to be big. Like it it there's a certain presence of it that you know it 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 almost conveys its size in its presence in this sort of feeling of presence um usually it's like above you so you, you have to like look up or you know bend down and like look up and for some reason it's always like backlit just a bit uh and of course the colors behind it change as it changes shape uh and, and it changes in a quantum sits meaning that if you look deeper into the shape it changes colors but if you don't look deep and it doesn't really change colors if that makes any sense uh at all um the um the higher amount of attention you pay to analyzing the detail of this figure the the color of this figure and the shape of the figure begins to shift almost in tandem with your interest in deciphering what exactly it is. Um, and yeah, it's, it's something that, that, that is, that I, I have yet to, to figure out what it is and I've yet to figure out what's the purpose. Is it just a sort of visual hallucination based on, you know, archetypes that I've constructed with my own, you know, academic leanings of reading about religion. I have a BA in religion and a BA in psychology. But what I found is that this archetype, this, this, this entity, this self-transforming machine elf, and Terrence McKenna called it a long time ago, before I even had DMT, he called it. And before I even um, sort of got deep into Terrence McKenna, he described the same entity. And of course, his description was a little bit different than my description, but relatively the, the same, you know? And perhaps that's, that's, a, that's, a, de that, that's a, a cognitive degradation of our understanding of beings and combined with pattern recognition makes humans believe that we're seeing something. But even if that's the case, that is still worthy to be researched upon. And it still has the potential to be one of the single, you know, um, the, the, a single um, most significant experiences in psychology. Like that's the thing, either way, here's what I always say, Sanj. There's, there's a single fact that we have to originate from. Number one, DMT in a tiny amount, a, 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 like you, a physically insignificant amount can take a person's brain and they're not beyond their brain, their entire perception on reality and in, 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 in change it to a point where the uh, rules of physics don't even apply. If 
we're going to some dimension or realm or whatever you want to call it that deserves to be explored that deserves to be analyzed if it's some carefully coded combination of pattern recognition mixed with previous human experiences mixed with you know previously established archetypes cultural archetypes that combine and make us feel this thing then that still should be investigated as much as being transported to a different dimension and the reason being is that for something to have such a drastic effect on the brain that should be researched because because that is how we perceive reality it isn't like we're taking a hit of lsd and our a hand feels like it's it's it, it has there's five hands on one hand no it's not that it's not a, it's not that you take um, something and, and, and like your, your back feels like it has wings, something that's evolutionary insignificant, who cares? It's this DMT, the psychedelic experience, it's affecting the single most complex collection of anything in the universe. And it's doing so in such a way that it cannot be compared to any other substance in our entire universe. That deserves to be explored on such a level that on the same level as astrophysics explore, ex, you know, ex, ex, explores galaxies and, and explores uh, universes. And, that, and, and that's, that's, that's truly the reason um, why I'm, I'm such a huge advocate. Yeah, no, that's definitely very interesting. And especially because I feel like now with all this excessive research that we have, I see there's a lot of hope uh, about how the whole cannabis and the psychedelic industry is going to emerge. And also with all the legalization, how the recreational society is going to look like. Um, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Zeus. Thank you for doing this. Sanj, thank you so much uh, for having me on. And I love what you're doing. I, I, I respect it. I think, you know, you're on to something great. And uh, I think you're definitely carving a place for yourself in the history of, of uh, psychedelics. Um, once again, huge uh, honor. And, and uh, I, I, th I thank you for this opportunity. And, and shout out to everybody out there listening to this. Uh, uh, follow truth and turn away conspiracy and mythology. That's all I gotta say. Exactly. Seek truth. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast.